0: pray. Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word, we ask you by the power of your spirit to open our hearts and minds to receive. Change us, Lord, in ways that only you can. Help us to hear those things we need to hear and to become more like Christ, that we might live kingdom-first lives. And it's in the name of your Son that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. As Trey said, we do have our kids with us this morning in the service. Uh, We get this opportunity a couple times a year where they sit with us during the service. Our Sunday school teachers get a break, um, and our kids get to see what is happening with all the adults Speaking of kids, we're coming up on Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving for us is a day of cooking. Uh, My wife and I love it. We just want to spend all day just cooking stuff. Um, She said this year we want to cook more than what we can actually eat. I don't know how that's different from any other year. But, and my kids have all, at some point, they've wanted to help us cook. They want to do something. They want to stir the macaroni and cheese. They want to, they want to be part of that. Uh, my daughter has gone so far as, anybody watch Chopped? She wants to do a kids' chopped, like have other kids over. I mean, they like that idea. Well, I ran across a, I don't know if I can call it a cookbook, um, but a kindergarten teacher in Minnesota had her kids fill out some recipes for Thanksgiving, and how to do turkeys. There were other things too, but I thought the turkey, I just want to share a couple of them with you. Megan said that you should cut the turkey into 16 pieces, leave it in the oven for 15 minutes and 4 degrees. Take it out, let it cool, and after 5 minutes, eat it. Mariah said, first you cut the bones out, then you put it in the oven for 10 hours at 600 degrees. (laughs) Then put it on the table and eat it. And Lauren, first you find a turkey, then you wring its neck. (laughs) Then you put it in a pan, you pour milk in the pan, you put a little chicken with it. And then you put some salsa on top of that. (laughs) Then you take it out of the pan and you put it on a board and cut it into little pieces. Then you put it on a rack and you put it in the oven for seven minutes at 10 degrees. Then take it out of the oven and put an eensy-weensy bit of sugar on it. (laughs) Then more salsa and then eat it. (laughs) Now, I'm not sure... If you follow these particular recipes, if your Thanksgiving will go the way that you want it to, I am pretty sure that your very undercooked turkey covered in salsa or your turkey jerky um, will not be what you intended for Thanksgiving. Um, But in certain cases, recipes are kind of important. Um, I do a lot of cooking where I just make stuff up and sometimes it comes out really well and sometimes... None of my family is eating what I've made, and it's a hint that that particular change in the recipe was not a good one. Making stuff up. Sometimes, following the recipe is really important because that's the only way that the outcome will be what the outcome is supposed to be. We have been studying for 14 weeks the kingdom of God. We started all the way back in Genesis with the idea that when God created the world, he was building his temple. He was bringing heaven and earth together, that he would reign over it, and he would take his image bearers, us, and he would put us in the temple to represent him. But the only way to represent him is to be like him. There's a very particular recipe that God has set out And he said, you have to live this way. You have to follow my ways. Otherwise, you cannot represent me. Because if you use a different recipe, the outcome is not going to be representing me. It's going to be something else. And basically, from day one, God's people had been choosing their own recipe. Adam and Eve chose the devil's recipe and said, we're going to go with what you say, not with what Yahweh said. Well, they get kicked out of the garden, and from there, it just keeps going. And you watch one after another after another of God's people say, we're going to follow one recipe. And yet, you also see God continue after his people. He says, I'm going to take Abraham, and I'm going to bless the nations. I am not giving up on my image bearers, even though they keep choosing different recipes and going different directions. I am still going after them. And from Abraham, you move into the Exodus, and God's people are in captivity, but God says, I'm rescuing them. I am going to give them freedom that they might worship me. And then he gives them the law. And the law is not just a bunch of commandments, a bunch of, don't do this, do this. It is a way of life. This was God's recipe. If you will live this way, you will represent who I am. You will be the people I've called you to be. You will be a holy nation. You will be a priesthood to the other nations because they will see me in you. But as we know the story, they don't. And just over time, year after year, century after century, they continue to use their own recipe. And yet, we get to the point where we are now. God has come down into the temple. God is dwelling in his temple. Heaven and earth have been connected once again, and God's people are there as he reigns over them from his temple. They have everything they could want. Open up your Bible to 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles, not Corinthians, there's another C word. 2 Chronicles, chapter 7. I want to show you what God has done for His people. It's a beautiful thing. Second Chronicles, chapter seven, verse eleven. Thus Solomon finished the house of Yahweh and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of Yahweh and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. And then, verse 12, Yahweh appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him. And just hear these words. These are beautiful words. I have heard your prayer. I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves... And they pray and they seek my face and they turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And just listen to the gentleness of the next few verses. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated. I have set aside this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. If you just picture the temple, and any time they can look over the temple and go, God is watching over us. God's heart is there for his people. God is hearing us. When we pray, God's listening. When it's not raining and we go, Lord, we need rain, God is going to answer. When we mess up, we know, because God's telling us right now, we pray to him, he's going to forgive the sin, he's going to heal our land. He is attentive to us. That is a beautiful picture. And yet, he keeps going. And as for you, speaking of Solomon, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and my rules, if you'll follow the recipe that I've laid out. Then I will establish your royal throne as as I covenanted with David, your father, saying, you shall not lack a man to rule Israel. Here's the promise he just made to Solomon. You don't have to fight your battles to keep your kingdom. Even if the enemy is stronger than you, you don't have to worry about it. I will take care of that. All I need you to do is follow me. All I need you to do is use the recipe I've laid out for the ordering of your life. I will handle the rest. That's an amazing promise. God has not made this promise that I'm aware of to anybody in this room, but parents, imagine this promise. If God just said to you, you will never have to worry about a paycheck if you just do the things I'm asking you to do. You don't worry about the job or anything else. You just do the things I'm asking. Order your life a certain way. I will assure you a paycheck will always be there. How much pressure would that lift off of you? He just said to Solomon, as long as you just follow the recipe, as long as you go my ways, you'll always have a man on the throne. You don't have to fight the battles. But there's one condition here. You see, he's offering him all kinds of stuff. Um, But there's a condition. And we all know about conditions, right? Every kid in here knows conditions. You may have dessert if... You eat your supper or eat your vegetables, then you can have dessert. You can have the sleepover if you keep your room clean. You can watch the show if you do your homework. There's parents looking at kids right now. (laughs) And parents know the same thing, that there are conditions in our lives. You can have a paycheck if you do your job. You can drive your car if you obey the laws of the land. Like, we know these conditions. All right, I want you to raise your hand if you like Disneyland. Raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, there's a few of you that didn't raise your hand. What's wrong with you? Like, after church, would you please see me? I need to pray for you. I love Disneyland. Disneyland. I mean, it, I love the rides, and I love the parades, and the shows, and the ambiance, and the characters, just everything about it. There's something magical about Disney, I mean, going into Disneyland and everything about it. But did you know there's conditions for Disneyland? I mean, there's a really big one. You have to have a ticket. And when I say big, I think they cost about a Honda Civic right now to get one. <laughs> They're really expensive. But there are some prohibitions. There are things you have to do to stay in the Disneyland park. According to the website, if you want to go into the Disneyland Park, you cannot use bad language. They will kick you out. You cannot do offensive behavior. They will kick you out. You cannot bring a drone with you. (laughs) They will kick you out. You cannot bring any trailer-like object into Disney, no matter what that is wagons, whatever. You cannot bring a trailer-like object. You can't bring any weapon, which I get, or any object that appears like a weapon, and this is from the website, including toy blasters. Have you seen some of the shops where they sell toy blasters in Disneyland? You can get kicked out for having those. You cannot bring folding chairs into Disney, And you cannot make impromptu speeches. (laughs) You can be kicked out for making impromptu speeches in Disney. And there's one thing that is very specific. You cannot act like a Disney character to other guests unless you are officially a Disney character. You can be removed from the park for that. Now that actually makes sense to me. Because they have a certain way that all of their characters are supposed to act. If you are Mickey, there's a way you're supposed to be Mickey. And if you start acting like Mickey in a very different way, it could give a different perception of what Disney is. They want the representative to look like them. Disney can kick you out of the park without compensation for all kinds of things. Because there are conditions about being in the park. All those things that God said to Solomon, all those beautiful promises, they were all theirs. It's like God said, here's the ticket, walk into the park. All this is yours. But there are conditions to stay in the land. There are conditions for me to remain in the temple. In particular, there is one major condition. And this is the one everybody needs to hear loyalty. You must be loyal to me. If you are not loyal to me, I will take you out of this land. Look back at Second Chronicles. Look at verse 19. But, right, there's the change. Right, the rest of it was, here's your ticket, walk into the park, I'm gonna hear your prayer. I'm right here for you. My heart is with you. It doesn't rain. I'll send it. I'm here. But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, those two things are connected. Hey, we're gonna come back to them. Then I will pluck you up from my land that I have given you. And this house that I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. I will make it a proverb and a byword among the peoples. And, and at this house, which was exalted, and we read that passage a few weeks ago, this exalted house that Yahweh dwells in, everyone passing by will be astonished and will say, why has Yahweh done this to the land and to this house? Then they will say, because they abandoned Yahweh the God of their fathers who brought them out of the land of Egypt and, just like in that first verse, laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this disaster on them. You see, the condition that he lays out, it is not just follow this rule or follow this rule and if you break the rule, you're out. It is not like that, right? Kids... You may not know this now. Maybe you're aware of The older you get, you'll notice this. Your parents likely have a whole lot of grace for you. Right, parents? There are a whole bunch of things that you deserve in terms of discipline that parents often withhold. We let you mess up a lot. God does the same thing with all of us parents. He did it with them throughout their entire, all these centuries. It wasn't that God went, oh my goodness, you broke that one rule, boom, you're out. Good luck. I'm done with you. It was not about all of the individual rules. It was about who they followed and the rules showed that. Notice the tie-in you follow my commandments or if you leave my commandments and then go and serve other gods, those things are connected. When you choose to go a different path, when you decide to cook your turkey for 10 minutes at 4 degrees, God says, I'm not going to be part of that meal. Right? (laughs) You have chosen a different recipe. Right? Think of it like this. I want you to imagine right now, um, this is my own little parable, that God makes chocolate chip cookies. I want to show you what God's chocolate chip cookies look like. This is one of God's chocolate chip cookies. Now, let me tell you about God's chocolate chip cookie made with God's recipe. This cookie is both crispy and soft at the same time. This cookie is fluffy and dense at the same time. This cookie is always, even if you leave it on the counter for seven days, hot. (laughs) And the chocolate chips are melting, always. This cookie will actually make you sleep better. It will make you smarter. It will give you perfect pitch. And it has your entire day's worth of protein, dietary fiber, and whole grains. (laughs) With no sugar. And it tastes like a chocolate bar of butter. It is that good. And God comes and says, I would like you to build a shop for me to sell my cookies in. And you're like, uh oh, I get to sell God's cookies. They are amazing. They do more, I mean, no other cookie could possibly, this is the most interesting cookie in the world. (laughs) So you start off and things are going well and you're selling these cookies and people are like, those are so awesome. And they're going, whose recipe is that? That's God's. Only God could make something like this. And notice all you had to do as a shop owner is just follow the recipe. And it's showing people who God is. But then one day, God walks into your shop, and you have another display of cookies. I'm going to show you the cookies that you have a display of. They are these. (laughs) You have a display of an Oreo cookie. And God walks in, and he goes, really? Um, this cookie is not good for you. It may be good for dentists, but it is not good for you. Hey, it's just sugar. Why would you ever want to make or sell this cookie when I'm giving you this one? And more importantly, you can't. I will not keep my cookies in shop where you are selling this and making it with these recipes because people are gonna think that this is how I make cookies. I will not do that. Okay, good, we'll get rid of that cookie. But God, what about, I mean, this is closer, right? What about this one? What about chips of hoy? I mean, it's closer, right, chips of hoy? I mean, it's, no, it's not. It might be brown and have chocolate chips in it. But it is still not my cookie. You're getting no protein from this cookie, okay? And it definitely won't give you perfect pitch. This one will. God says you follow my recipe or you don't sell my cookies in your shop. I'm moving on. I'm not asking you to be the best cookie maker. I'm giving you the recipe. I'm not asking you to earn anything. I'm asking you just to follow my recipe, my ordering of your life as your king. Because if you do that, you will represent me. You'll be everything I've called you to be. And why would you ever pick this? Why would you choose this little pathetic cookie? Sorry, chips ahoy when you could have this. Kids, which cookie do you want? Okay, adults, the kids get it. Do you? We have a recipe for life that is laid out by our creator for how to live, for how to honor and serve him. Will we follow that recipe? Now, with all the fun that we are having, there is a sad part to the story. Turn to 2 Chronicles 36. We're going to leapfrog hundreds of years here to see the end. After God laid that out, He said, I'm giving you a ticket to Disneyland. I'm making a shop with giant, beautiful cookies that'll meet all your health needs. This is what they did. Go to verse 15 of 2 Chronicles 36. Yahweh, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. God kept coming to them for centuries, over and over again, because he had compassion on them. But there's the but again, just like in the last passage. Here was the good, here was the bad. We just read the good. God didn't give up on his people, even though they kept giving up on him. Even though they forsook him and abandoned him, he didn't give up. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of Yahweh rose against the people. And this is one of the most terrifying last few words anywhere in Scripture. Until there was no remedy. God let you build him a cookie shop. And for centuries, you and your ancestors kept bringing in these stupid cookies that were so much worse than everything God was trying to do. Over and over and over and over again. And finally, God went, that's enough. I'm done. And this is what happens. Therefore, he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on the young man or the virgin, the old or the aged. He gave them all into his hand and all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of Yahweh and the treasures of the king and of the princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burned the house of God. And they broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all of its palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious vessels. He took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of Yahweh by the mouth of Jeremiah, his prophet, until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years." King after king after king, the generation after generation continued to say, I want those gods, not you. I want this way, not yours. And finally, God said, Enough. And he destroyed the temple and Jerusalem. And in Ezekiel chapter 10, there is an image that is one of the most heart wrenching images. It is of God's presence, the glory, going from the Holy of Holies to the threshold of the temple and then out of the temple and gone. God leaves his people. There was a point where it was too much and God said, I'm done. You are now going into exile for 70 years. That is the sad part. But it doesn't end there. Even here, it doesn't end there. Look back. Look at verse 22. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of Yahweh by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, Yahweh stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia Yahweh, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. It's so sad that it seems to take a pagan to recognize who Yahweh really is. His own people don't get it, but this pagan does. And he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may Yahweh his God be with him. Let him go up. So here's the story in a nutshell that is leading us to Advent, And it is closing our series of the Old Testament. Now, know that what we've done so far is not, this is not the end. This is the end of part one. What we're about to do starting in Advent is the continuation of the story. It's not over. Here's the story that we see God makes us and says, I want to be with you, and I want you to be like me. I've made you in my image, I've given you everything you want. Now, here's the storyline of the people of God. Rebellion, 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 I love God. Rebellion, rebellion, rebellion. I love God. Rebellion, rebellion, rebellion. Here is the story of God. I will stick with you anyway. I will stick with you anyway. I will stick with you anyway. I will stick with you. Oh, finally. Somebody doing the right thing. I will stick with you anyway. I will stick with you anyway. I will stick with you. Oh, there it is again. It is so wonderful, Josiah, that you're doing those reforms in the temple. That is beautiful. I will stick with you again. I will stick with you again. That's enough. He destroys the temple. He sends his people into exile. He says, you have got to learn. We cannot do this anymore. But my people don't think I've given up on you. I do not give up on my people. I am still gonna come for you. I am still going to come after you. I know that right now, and and this is back in their time, the temple's destroyed, the city is destroyed, but I have not given up on you. I am still coming back. And he does, in a way. He sends his people back into the land. They rebuild the temple, they rebuild the wall, they start to rebuild Jerusalem. But for 400 years, something is wrong. They're still in captivity. If God is with them, they're not going to be in captivity. And so, even though they have the temple, they're viewing the temple as not having the presence of God yet, and they're still praying Will you come? Will you please come back? And for 400 years, generation after generation after generation, they are waiting for Yahweh to return. Come back, restore and heal our land, forgive our sins. Releases from captivity. And that's what he's going to do. But he's going to do it in a way that is so unexpected. There's a little girl, 10 years old. Her name is Amanda Moore. And when she started school this year, there was a new boy in her class. And at lunchtime, the boy was sitting alone. So she went up to talk to the boy And ask him if he wanted to have lunch with her, so he went to be alone. But the boy only spoke Spanish. So, Amanda, not wanting to give up, she went home, she composed her letter, and then she used Google Translator to to get the letter into Spanish. Here is what the letter said. Next day, in class, she walked up to the boy, and she gave him the letter. And from an eyewitness perspective, this is what was described in the story. Um, First, here's what the letter says. Would you like to sit with me today? Look for me, and I will show you where I sit. We can color or simply tell scary stories. Thank you for your time. (laughs) Signed, Amanda. She walks up, she hands it to the boy. The boy reads the letter. This is the description. She walked over and gave it to him, and he stared up at Amanda, and then he opened it up, and he was trying to read it. And when he finished reading it, his eyes were welling up with tears. And then Amanda's eyes were welling up with tears. And then the whole class stood up and applauded. And he stood up, and he hugged her. And today, these two... buds. They did Halloween together. They have a picture of them in their costumes and they've become buds this year. But not only was she not willing to give up, she was willing to speak in a way that he would get it. That, my brothers and sisters, is Advent. As God becomes man to show us what he is really like to communicate to us in ways that we should be able to understand. Not only does he not give up, but Advent is the story of how far he would go for us. Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank you for your great love, for your patience and your compassion. For the ways in which we, as your people, constantly choose our own recipes. We keep going different directions, and yet you keep coming for your people. Lord, as we move into this amazing season of Advent, as we think about you as our King, as our Father, as the one who's still coming for us, Lord, help us to love you more deeply Help us to become more committed to you and to your ways that we might show everybody around us, including our friends and family who even know you, that we would represent you to everybody in our attitudes, in our actions, Lord, we would show a kingdom-first life for your honor and glory. In Christ's name we ask it, amen.